Hi, I'm Scott McLaughlin, driver of the number three Team Penske Chevy, and you're listening to Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. IndyCar fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Welcome to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. We are proud and honored to bring Penske Truck Rental to the show as the presenting sponsor of Pit Pass Indy. We will continue to cover the entire NTT IndyCar Series community, and our new partners at Penske Truck Rental will help us tell those stories. It's a big racing weekend for the NTT IndyCar Series, the 48th Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. The event is the biggest street race on the schedule and is the biggest event outside of the Indianapolis 500 in the NTT IndyCar Series. North America's biggest street race ranks just below Formula One's Monaco Grand Prix as the world's biggest street race, and to any IndyCar Series driver that wins it comes fame and prestige. It's billed as Southern California's 200-mile-an-hour beach party, and for good reason. The three-day event draws crowds approaching 250,000 spectators, including close to 100,000 fans on race day. Team Penske's Joseph Newgarden is the defending winner of the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. Later in the show, we will hear from Team Penske Transportation Coordinator Gary Yinkst on how the IndyCar Series teams make the long haul from the race shops across the country to Long Beach. But first, we have an exclusive interview with Chip Ganassi racing driver Marcus Erickson. The winner of last year's 106 Indianapolis 500 is ready to add the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach to his growing trophy collection. He joins me in this exclusive interview for Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. An old friend rejoins us on the show. It's Marcus Erickson of Chip Ganassi Racing. He's our special guest here on Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. Marcus, you're off to a great start to the season. You're currently second in points, heading into this weekend's Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. I'm sure you're ready to continue the momentum of 2022 into this weekend, which is arguably IndyCar's second biggest event of the season. Yeah, I am. I'm really excited to to get to Long Beach. I think it's, like you say, it's one of the the big races uh, on our calendar, a lot of history there, and um, always a race I look forward to. And I had some unfinished business after last year when I crashed out late in that race and, you know, was on for a podium. So I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, especially after this uh, strong start to the year that they've had. 
you won the season opening Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg after Pato Award had the plenum issue, but you forced him at the end of the race to really race hard, which may have caused that issue to, to happen. And you were able to capitalize on that. Uh, how was your race at Texas Motor Speedway? You started 16th and finished 8th. It was a pretty good day for Chip Ganassi Racing as three of the four drivers finished in the top eight, two drivers finished in the top five. The only driver who finished outside of the top 10, top 15 was Takuma Sato, who was taking over the number 11 car on the Ovals this year. How would you categorize the way your race went at Texas? And what did you think of that style of racing? Yeah, I think, first of all, the racing was amazing. I think the, the downforce package that we brought there or the series brought there was really good. And the track, you know, being in early April, it was pretty cool temperatures. And, uh, you know, we did a high line practice to put some rubber up there as well. So, you know, the racing was arguable, uh, you know, one of the best races we've seen on an oval for a long time, especially at Super Speedway. So I think that was really exciting. Uh, for us on the eight car, we, we had, you know, we had a car that wasn't really fast from the get go. And, uh, you know, practice, we were struggling a bit and then qualifying. I thought we had a good qualifying run and the car felt good, but it was only good enough for 16. So, it was definitely some warning signs there. And then the race again, I think we had a solid day, but it was just not enough pure pace in the car. So we're, we're investigating it now to try and understand, you know, on a super speedway like Texas, even the smallest, uh, you know, drag in, in, in brakes or something can, can slow you down a little bit. So we need to investigate and see why we were just lacking a bit of that uh, top end uh, that you need for Texas. But overall, you know, still a, a, a strong result and, like you said, we're still second in points, so we're, we're definitely off to a good start. And even though Paddle Award is a fierce competitor of yours, uh, you had to battle him for the victory in last year's Indianapolis 500. Here's a guy who's had two pretty good races to start off the season, and he's finished second in both of them. Can you almost sometimes understand what it's like when a driver gets that close to victory and isn't able to pull it off? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's frustrating for him. He's been right there for two races in a row, but uh, I'm sure he's going to win races this year. And, uh, you know, he's a fierce competitor, like you say, and, and we're going to have to bring our A game every time to beat him and, and other top guys. So it's, uh, you know, that's what's great with the series at the moment. The, the level of, you know, the drivers and teams are so high and the competitiveness in the series is just incredible. So that, you know, gives you a lot of motivation to work hard and, and always, uh, yeah, bring your best. Speaking of bring your best, you're going to need to bring your best to the streets of Long Beach. Although it's a great event to be a part of, your record at that uh, race in the three races you've competed in, your best finish is 20th when you were with um, Sam Schmidt, Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports back when uh, in the Aero Car. Uh, the last two years, you've been uh, in the Husky Chocolate Honda for Chip Ganassi Racing. You were 20th in 2019. Of course, there was no race in 2020 because of COVID. Uh, 28th in 2021 and 22nd last year. You crashed the last two races there. How treacherous of a race course is that? Yeah, I mean, when you when you put it out like that, it doesn't sound very good, for sure not. But uh, I think, like you said, it's been circumstances. The last two times we've been there, we've been on for really good results. I think in uh, in 21, we were on for a top six, if I remember correctly, until I crashed out of that race. And then last year, we were you know on a podium. We were P3 there with that uh, restart with 18 laps to go when I hit the wall and and broke my car that I had to retire. So 
the, the speed has been there, but as we know, it's three courts. You make the, the smallest of mistakes and it can be the end of your day. And that's what's been, you know, uh, happened to, to us the last two times there. But uh, I'm confident, you know, we're going to be right there in the mix. I've been really strong on three courses the last two years and, you know, won three, three races on three courses. So I feel really confident. And, and like I said, I feel like I have some, some unfinished business in Long Beach. So I'm, I'm going there with high, high confidence and high expectations. And for people who talk about attendance issues, uh, you need to bring them to Long Beach because that place is packed. It's pretty hard to get from point A to point B. Uh, Driver introductions there. It's a crush of people. It's a crush of people to get to your car uh, on the starting grid. What's it like to see that type of reaction and enthusiasm every time you go to the streets of Long Beach? Yeah, it's it's super cool. You know, the atmosphere there is just amazing. It's so much fans, like you say, and it's just, something about the place and i think with the history of the race as well it actually reminds me a lot of monaco uh you know i did monaco in formula one for for five years and it gives sort of the similar atmosphere and, and feeling uh that i got there and it's just a really fun race to be a part of and and yeah the fans really makes it a, a very very cool weekend so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it now, after Long Beach, very important race weekend, even though it's not a race, it's going to be the two-day Indianapolis 500 open test. Every car that's entered into the 107th Indianapolis 500 will be on track. How important is that two-day test? How important was it to you last year in coming up with the right setup that you were able to start off with in the month of May that ended up with you in victory lane? It is very important. You know, every time we get out on a track, test these days it's uh, it's super important because they don't get a lot of track time uh so you know ramping up now for month of may you always want to start off strong and we have obviously a strong package from last year that we can sort of start from but we still need to improve on that because everyone always improves so we have we've worked hard in the off season to try and find more performance and you know, first time to really try it out is in that open test. So we're very, very excited about it. The other thing with Indianapolis in the middle of April, you don't know how much track time you'll actually get over a two-day test. So how much of that is spent looking at the weather forecast? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? With uh, with Indy, it's, it's all about, uh, you know, looking at the weather and making sure you can be out there and driving. So it's definitely part of it, but uh, we can't do much about it. I try and focus on the things we can we can do something about and the weather, unfortunately, we cannot, uh, we cannot change. You've been back to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway since you won the Indianapolis 500 last year, but now when you show up for the open test, you know you're going to go in there as the defending champion. How much do you think about that? How important is that? And how much does that put a little extra bounce in your step when you arrive in Gasoline Alley? It's it's gonna be super special, you know. It's uh, it gives me a lot of confidence going into to the month of May and, and even to the open test, you know, just knowing that and having that victory from last year sort of with me. So for me, it's just a confidence booster, and uh, I can't wait to to experience the whole month of May being the defending champion. And uh, yeah, it's it's very exciting that we're getting closer to it, and I'm just gonna try. And obviously, the goal is to win again and defend that. Win, win from last year, but also my goal is to really enjoy this month, you know, enjoy being the defending champion and enjoy being at the Speedway as the defending champion. That's going to be very special. And what's it like when you show up on 16th Street and see that giant banner of Marcus Erickson at the main entrance to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? It's, again, one of those moments when you have to pinch yourself and, and sort of 
make sure it's real because it is uh, it, it is gi- ginormous <laughs> and uh, it's just uh, super cool. And uh, knowing that everyone will see that, everyone will try drive through that tunnel, uh, going to the racetrack, it's uh, it's pretty cool. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or... For household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Here is the rest of my interview with 106th Indianapolis 500 winner Marcus Erickson of Chip Ganassi Racing for Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. After that comes the trip to Barber Motorsports Park. We want to take care of our friends down there and talk a little bit about that race. This year, Honda is allowing the Children's Hospital of Alabama to be the entitlement sponsor. Honda remains as the presenting sponsor. It's still a Honda race, although they're helping out with the charitable efforts down there for the Children's Hospital. What do you think of Barber Motorsports Park? Does it remind you a lot of the race courses that you came up on when you were in the junior formulas in Europe. Yeah, I was actually going to say that. It reminds me a lot of uh, my early racing career when we were I was racing a lot in the UK on those like flowy uh, tracks with a lot of elevation and not a lot of room for errors, you know, with grass and, and walls. And then Barber really reminds me of that. And the flow you get on that track is really cool. It's, it's one of my favorite road courses of the season, no doubt. So... I'm really looking forward to it. And also, it's, it's usually a very good turnout with fans there as well, which, uh, which makes it uh, definitely one of the top weekends of the year for me. And springtime in a picturesque part of the country, that's probably the most beautiful natural terrain road course in some ways that's on the schedule. 
Of course, there's the beauty of Laguna Seca and other tracks like that, but it's a different type of, you know, that's West Coast Pacific California type beauty. This is more old school, deep south in the springtime. And what do you just think of the whole facility? The facilities are, are absolute top class. And that's always, you know, we always say that uh, drivers and teams that, you know, going to Barbara Moore Sports Park is always, you know, uh, a highlight because of that, because the facilities, because of the track is always in top uh, condition. Um, the fans are always coming out strong and camping out there and, and you know, uh, adding to the whole experience. So it's always, you know, everything for me with Barbamore Sports Park is, is top class and, and the rates are usually very interesting as well because there is plenty of uh, pit stops and, and different strategies going on and uh, some good action. So I uh, yeah I'm I'm excited about it. I want to have a strong result there because I haven't haven't been on a podium in Barber yet, and that's definitely a, a goal of mine. As a rookie in 2019 with Aero Schmidt Peterson Motorsports, which is now Aero McLaren, you started 20th and finished seventh. That's a pretty good race on that course. The next year with Husky Chocolate as your sponsor and the number eight at Chip Ganassi Racing, started sixth, finished eighth. Last year you started and finished twelfth at Chip Ganassi Racing. One interesting stat, you finished on the lead lap of all three races. What do you recall of those three events? How were they similar? How were they different? Yeah, so that, that first year, you, like you said, they're going from 20th to B7. That was one of my, for sure, one of my best races during my rookie season. I had a really strong race there. We did some good strategy and, and just had good race pace and that was really a good race for me in my opening season, my rookie season. And last year we tried a bit of a different strategy that didn't really work out. So we're sort of stuck in the mid pack. And the year before that we were actually on for a, for a top five result until the end when we had a bit of a miscalculation with the fuel and had to save a lot of fuel on the last stint. And I dropped the thing from fourth to, to eighth in that stint. So uh, I think the, the, the speed has been there every year, uh, but yeah, we haven't found that sort of great result. You know, we had solid results, but we, we want to be more than that this year. And the Children's of Alabama Indy Grand Prix, it's always an important race uh, because it's usually the final race before the month of May begins, and you head to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Of course, the first race of the month at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway will be the GMR Grand Prix on May 13th on the IMS Road Course. And then after that, it's getting ready for the 107th Indianapolis 500. It'll be a full week of practice, qualifying weekend, another day of practice, carb day, and then straight into race day. So do you start to think race season is here when you get to Barber? Oh, for sure. You know, from, from Barber onwards, it's, it's pretty much every week with uh, with racing, it feels like. So it's, uh, it's what we love. It's what we want to do. And uh, it's what we work, you know, all winter to prepare us. For, for that time of the year so it's definitely kicking into to top gear when we when we get to barber and, and you know it's really a race that starts at the mid part of the season where it's so many races and i know that you come from sweden but one of the great things that alabama is known for is its barbecue and if you've had a chance to try it and what you think of it i i love it you know i i love all kinds of food i love to experience all kinds of food and i've definitely had some good barbecue down there so it's uh I'm looking forward to that as well. I can't have too much before the race, so I don't want to get too too uh, heavy before race day, but uh, I'm definitely going to have some and enjoy when I'm down there. What is your favorite type of barbecue? Oh, I don't know. I I, I would say brisket, 
but uh, I like it all kinds. And as far, though, as the way the staff at Barber Motorsports Park, George Barber and his staff, they really treat the drivers top-notch. Uh, it's very accommodating group of people that work there and how important is that when you're the competitors out there to put on a show it's very important you know you want to feel welcome you want to feel taken care of and then we always get that feeling going to barber so it's something we appreciate a lot of drivers and, and i think that's one of the reasons why we always you know highlight barber as one of the the best races to to go to over the year and with this year, honda allowing the children's of alabama uh, hospital to take over as the Entitlement sponsor of the race. It's for a good charity, for a good cause. Honda is usually always looking at a way to give back to the community. And does that really make you that much more proud to be part of the Honda family? It does. You know, I think, you know, I'm, I'm extremely proud to be part of Honda and be powered by Honda. And things like this just makes me even more happy to, to be part of that family. So I, I think that's a great uh, thing that they're doing. And I'm fully supporting that. And, and like I said, I'm proud to be part of Honda. And in years past, there was always a group of Honda drivers who went over to the uh, assembly facility over in Lincoln, Alabama. Have you been a part of that trip before? I have not, no. But you're always on a part of the trip that goes to Torrance, to American Honda, and that's usually a big day at that campus. For sure it is, yeah. No, we we try and go out there and, you know, meet people within the company, and I think that's one of the important parts because, you know, go out there and build connections and relationships is always an important part of things. And here's a question that's probably better suited for somebody else to answer, but I'll go ahead and throw it at you anyway. When Marcus Erickson came over here to start a career in IndyCar, we knew him as a former Formula One driver who ran 97 Formula One events. But now do you feel like Marcus Erickson is an IndyCar star? <laughs> Yeah, you're probably better off someone else, but I think for me, you know, I, I feel like I, you know, I, I see myself as an IndyCar driver and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy and proud of the years I did in F1, but I, I love where I am at the moment. I love being in IndyCar. I love winning races and fighting for championships and, you know, running up front in IndyCar championship is, is definitely living my dream. So I, I really enjoy it. And as far as the actual Barber Motorsports course itself, what does it remind you the most of, of any course that you competed on in Europe? Mm, that's a good question. I would probably say um, Oldham Park. It does remind me a bit of Oldham Park in the UK. It's, it's a quite small track, but it's very. it was always one of my favorite tracks in the UK, and I drove there a lot in my junior years in, in, in single-seater racing. So uh, it does remind me quite a bit of that. And where are the passing opportunities at Barber? I know some people like to get a run going in the turn five. That seems to be the action corner. But there's also some other areas of that race course that the drivers know very well. What are your favorite parts of it? Yeah, I think five is probably the biggest opportunity for overtaking. But what you can do as well is to get someone to be defensive in five and then line them up to get around them before turn eight. Uh, and also the last two corners turn uh, 16, 17, you can also caught, catch people by surprise there and then get an overtake done. So there is some spots where you can, yeah, uh, take advantage and then try and overtake, but it's not the easiest track on the calendar to overtake. And also at the end of April will be the debut of the Vice docuseries on the CW, 100 Days to Indy. I know they've followed you around quite a bit. 
What do you think of that uh, project and how much will we be seeing Marcus Erickson on these shows? I think it's great for the series. I think it's great for us drivers and, and you know, hopefully we'll help uh, put more uh, people into IndyCar racing because I think the product we have at the moment, the racing we have at the moment is, is the best in the world. We have so many good drivers, so many cars, and we just need more people to to, to watch it because I think when people watch it, uh, they, they love it. So I hope this series will, will have to put more supply uh, that are serious. Uh, I think for me, I've been part of quite a bit of filming, so I'm hoping I will be featuring quite a bit in the series. And uh, it seems to be such a good group of people producing it as well. So I'm very excited to see see the end result when they uh, premiere here in the end of April. And does it also seem like when there's a camera crew following you around that after a while you try to act as if they're not even there? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Uh, that's the way they've been trying to film things, to sort of be very much documentary type of filming, not sort of intruding in, in what you're doing, you're just more following uh, you in the background to make it as uh, realistic as possible. So I think that's uh, I think that's really cool because that's what we want to show off as well, not want to be like scripted. We want it to be the real life of, of an IndyCar driver. And also, when you think of Barber Motorsports Park, it seems like an ideal place to bring the motor home and, and camp. Uh, do you do that? And if so, is it one of the better places to spend a weekend with the motorhome. I, I don't actually have a motorhome yet, so I, I don't do it. I know a lot of drivers and team members and fans of it does it, and it looks like a perfect spot for it. So in the future, when I have my own motorhome, I'm definitely going to bring it to Barber Motorsports Park. And I'm sure that if you haven't got a new contract with Chip Ganassi Racing, that might help make that project a little bit easier. Yeah, I know. Uh, you, would, you would hope so, right? So <laughs> uh, let's see here in the future. Yeah, uh, that would be nice. You have found a home with Chip Ganassi Racing, but do things look really good there as far as renewing a contract? I mean, nothing is decided yet, but I, like you say, I, I love it uh, with Chip Ganassi Racing. I think what we've built over the last four years has been amazing and, and you know, winning the biggest race in the world shows that. So, you know, uh, that's where we are at the moment. At the moment, I just try and focus on this season, try and win a championship, win another 500. And if we do that, I'm sure the other things will work itself out. Uh, so that's sort of where I, where my head is, is at. Well, he has certainly become a star of the NTT IndyCar Series. Marcus Erickson, driver of the Husky Chocolate Honda for Chip Ganassi Racing. Congratulations on winning last year's Indianapolis 500. Congratulations on getting off to a great start in the 2023 IndyCar Series season. Good luck with these upcoming races, and especially good luck defending your championship, your title in the Indianapolis 500 coming up on Memorial Day weekend. Thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. Thank you. One of the great things about Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental, is we get to visit with the big names of the NTT IndyCar Series but we also get to introduce our listeners to the men and women who work behind the scenes for the racing teams. One of those is Gary Inkst, the transportation coordinator at Team Penske. He is in charge of orchestrating six transporters with 14 people that left the team's race shop in Mooresville, North Carolina, early Monday morning for the 40-hour drive to Long Beach, California, site of this weekend's Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. 
The teams in the NTT IndyCar Series travel to nearly all parts of the United States, plus one trip each year to Toronto, Ontario, in Canada. Just as Penske Truck Rental are the winners on the highway, the men and women who help transport the IndyCars from race to race are the winners in the IndyCar paddock. Let's take a deep dive into what gets the equipment from race to race with Gary Yinkst, Transportation Coordinator at Team Penske, in this exclusive Pit Pass Indy presented by Penske Truck Rental interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy presented by Penske Truck Rental is Team Penske Transportation Coordinator, Gary Yinkst. Gary, you got a big trip coming up all the way out to Long Beach, California with the shop based in Mooresville, North Carolina and going all the way out to the city streets of Long Beach. How big of a challenge is that and how long of a trip is it? Well, um, it's one of our longest throughout the year since Sonoma is not on the schedule or Edmonton anymore. Um, it's one of the biggest. It's... Uh, it's for sure uh, one of the most logistically hard ones to coordinate that we do all year long. We have five, six semis going with the 14 people total. We send two per truck um, in every unit except for our hospitality. And we send three extra to get out from the checkered flag in Long Beach to the Indianapolis open test. And the fact you go into Long Beach you start hitting the metropolis of Southern California yes. way out in Palm Springs. Yes. And from then on, it's got to be quite a challenge just dealing with Southern California, Los Angeles traffic. Yes, it is. So, you know, um, obviously we, we keep safety and, you know, everybody around us first, but obviously the streets of California are a bit, you know, of a busy place. So uh, I guess we want to say uh, the it gets a little more tense as you get into California. And uh, like you said, through Palm Springs and, and all the way up through Fontana and into Long Beach. What type of reaction do you get when you're on the highway and people realize, hey, that's a Team Penske transporter that I'm following? Well, throughout the, you know, the last few years, especially, you know, since everybody's gotten cell phone cameras and all, it used to just be kids driving by waving and, you know, wanting you to blow the air horn. But now it's everybody taking pictures and, you know, really, really showing the love out there. But, you know, you got to be careful because... People often lose focus on what they're doing, too, to, to take a look at what, what's going by them. So what day and time will you leave the Team Penske shop, and what day and time will you arrive in Long Beach? So we have two series heading out there. Um, we actually left this morning with our hospitality unit uh, to head out there to be there Sunday to wash. Monday, the MC units will leave Sunday night after Easter dinner, and the IndyCar units will leave Monday morning. About what time? Uh, they'll probably leave 4 or 5 in the morning to beat Charlotte traffic out and down through Atlanta. So will that be about a 45-hour drive or less than that? It's closer to 40. Um, the way we go down through 20 to 10 and across Texas, up through Phoenix and all. If we were to go 40, it'd be more 43 hours. And then what time will you arrive? And then after that, you wash the, the trucks, I yep. believe. That's so our a plan is to get to Fontana Speedway about 8 o'clock Wednesday morning, uh, meet with our guy that does our West Coast stuff out there, get all the stuff really dialed in, and then head to Long Beach where in years past, we'll roll right in and go right into the tent setup. So if you think about it, it's not just a 42, 43-hour drive plus the time to wash. 
now we're setting up the awning right away too. So it, it makes for a long few days. It's very important, especially at Team Penske, with Roger Penske's attention to detail that the trucks are washed, they're polished, and they shine. And how important is that and how professional does that make any racing series look when you see all of those brightly colored team transporters with their great paint schemes all shining and sparkly. Well, it's everything, you know, to, to especially us, I can't comment for everybody else, but you know, if, if we're not doing good on the track, at least we can look good going down the road and uh, support the brand and, you know, put our, our best efforts forth. So as far as we go, that's our number one job is looking good. And that's why us, for example, we have a special company in California that we have a longstanding history with really spend the time and clean us up and, and, and do a really good job, you know, polishing and everything. And as we park and, and get our tent set up, we'll do the same. We'll really spend some time and dial in the units to make sure they look great. So as the transportation coordinator, if you could give us a breakdown of how you do each truck in terms of drivers, time on, time off, places that you will stop for refueling, how sure. important that is, how much time there must be devoted to rest, if you could give us maybe sure. a breakdown of that. So, you know, here at Penske, and I'm, I'm sure every team does the same, but we follow, you know, all federal DOT standards, you know, which allows you to drive 11 hours out of a 14-hour time schedule. So, you know, with the recent rule changes back in 2015, I want to say you have to drive you're 11 hours and 14, you can't split shifts. So what we do here is we'll drive 10 consistent hours and switch. Um, as far, far as stopping and fueling and such, we'll leave here at the workshop where we, uh, we keep a full 10,000 gallon tank of the R99 renewable diesel that everybody else is using uh, in Indianapolis at the Speedway. So we'll start out with that here and try and stop wherever that's either applicable or you know, um, who's using the R99 or if there's a, uh, a refueling station set up by IndyCar or just along the roads, we'll try and pick, you know, the most safe place. Do you have any arrangements with any particular truck stops that those are the ones that the team uses? Uh, we try and fuel at PTLs as much as we can, the Penske Truck Leasing Centers. Um, especially as we get out west, they do have the R99 in their tanks. And obviously what Roger's doing in the series is doing with renewable stuff and sustainability. We try and support that as much as we can. But to answer your question, no, we don't have a formidable partnership with any truck stops. We usually just try and stay in the nice, clean, open spaces. I know that once you get on the road, it's hammered down. So when you stop to, to pick, a, you're picking something up to eat. You're not staying to eat. So yeah. what is that like? And, and how do you coordinate all that? So in the, you know, 10 to 11 out of 14 hour day, you're driving, you have to take a 30 minute break. You know, obviously that's, that's the rules. You can obviously stop as much as you want, whether you need to. So what we try and do is coordinate as we go down the road, we'll use that 30 minute break in order to stop and get something to eat, refuel so that you're basically knocking out, you know, all the dominoes in one stop. Now, obviously, like I said earlier, you can stop more than you want if you have to. But as we run down the road, pretty much all five together to keep an eye on everything, we try and pull in together and stay as a team wherever we go. Do you do showers at truck stops? We will. Way? We will. And that's, you know, it's, it all, it's all depending on, for example, how, how quickly we have to get there, how backed up against working on the cars, getting to the racetrack, you know, loading in. It all depends on what the window is in between. Obviously, we like to be as relaxed as possible and try and not back ourselves up against, um, you know, a hard 
exit if something were to happen. But if there is time, absolutely, it's 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 at will, and we try, right? Well, I mean, I think back to the days of your prototypical truck stops from the 1960s and <laughs> 1970s where they served very large portions of food, but that's not today's truck stops anymore. No. It's a lot of fast food because truckers are like on the go. They want to grab and get. And I also think the quality of truck drivers not the same anymore either as most of our guys, 50% are now on the pit crews. They're working out every day. They're pitting the car. Um so, you know, stop and grab two roller dogs and a, and a Coke's not really a thing anymore. It's, you know, protein packs and salads and trying to eat healthy. And a lot of the guys will meal prep and bring their meals in the trucks because we have microwaves, we have, you know, refrigerators. We have all the amenities we need to try and stay healthy while we're moving. As far as the return, I bet you probably get some pretty good meals from the hospitality. Sure, unit. we do. They, they really take care of us. They, uh, they pack lunches and, and meals, you know, for the first couple hours out and, you know, whatever we need. And that's what's great about us. Is we have a ton of resources and a ton of depth and we all just work together. You know, Tammy and, and the group over there, they're, they're great to work with and easy. So what is contained in the transporter? Each transporter has different. One transporter carries the cars. Yep. I'm sure you have one that's devoted to engineering. But in a lot of ways, there are many race shops because there are times you have to fix something at uh, the event. Sure. And uh, if you want, I can take you through every one that we have, but I don't know how much time we have. Obviously, our first and main one is RP1, which, you know, we've all been inside. It's nothing but an office. Carries very little. It's literally just for doing business. A few bathrooms and mostly just office space. The support truck carries all our mini bikes, golf carts, you know, ancillary items you know, hospitality stuff, rain tires, the rest just support. And then we get into our three race trucks. Whereas back in the day, like you said, fixing things, it used to be more of a, an effort and a focus, especially when we had new cars every year to fabricate on the road. Whereas the, the thought process anymore is the more engineers, the better. So, which is, it's great. I mean, it, it shows by our results. So Actually, two out of our three, sorry, three of our three racing transporters have offices in them now rather than a fab shop. But what are the tools that are on these trucks that will actually fix something if it does, uh, if you do have to go out and fix something? So we do have a truck now, whereas we used to have in the front lounge, we had a full fabrication office uh, with a lathe, welder, I mean, all the composite stuff. Whereas now we, we kind of have made a smaller few lockers of it because we don't get into it as much as we used to. But obviously, we've not run into anything we can't fix on the road. I'm sure the day's coming. But as, as of now, we still have a couple fabricators full-time and, and most of the tools we need. One of the great things about the Long Beach paddock is it's pretty wide open. It is. Whereas at a lot of street courses, for instance, St. Petersburg, some are set up in a parking sure. garage, others are set up outside. With the more entries that are at each race now, you're having to park closer and closer together. It mm -hmm. looked like you were really separated by a foot or two this past uh, race at St. Pete. But how challenging is that to set up once you arrive at the track? In our, in our standard setup, you know, the more cars we have, the harder it is. Because um, we connect our rigs together like Ganassi and, and a few others, McLaren. Um, but obviously, you know, if we have a tent, that really that really starts to bring things in. But we're so used to parking them close together, it, it doesn't really phase our drivers anymore. They're really good at it. 
How long does it take to set up the work area where you lay down the tiles, you put up the awnings and, and the covers? So and about the time that we get the green flag to park and we're actually pulling the brakes in our parking space to 10 up, sides up, tile down, most of the garage set up, we're about, with six to eight people, we're about four hours. So, you know, that's that's really come down over the years, but, you know, it's it's basically the group you got and being efficient about it. The other thing about working for an IndyCar Series team is a lot of early mornings. So once you do get to go home at the end of the day, yeah, you'll go out and grab a meal, maybe have a little bit of downtime with the guys, but there's still a, a lot of early wake-up calls. And how important is that to just stick to that routine? It's it's huge because, you know, as, as we've all seen in the last few years since pre-COVID, the schedule's really changed. It's become more compact throughout the weekend. And uh, the later practices, the later, you know, qualification sessions are now a thing of the past where we're getting wake-up calls at 4, 4.30 in the morning where that only used to be Indianapolis. So, you know the days of going out and having dinner all together and staying out a little bit later are a thing of the past. So everybody's in pretty early and making sure they hit the wake-up call in the van, you know, first thing. Although if you win the Indianapolis 500, do you, you do get to let it loose. We do let it loose, and usually it's a, uh, it's a team order that the whole steam stays and celebrates. And uh, I know that Tim Sendrick, the president of Team Penske, has come up with some creative ideas to how to let you guys celebrate in Indianapolis. I know one year it was the the actual – Bars, the bicycle bars sure. or whatever yeah, that everybody Pop, pedals. Juan and, Pablo one. Yep. Yeah. What are some of the other more unique celebrations at Indy? So we've done that. We've done some, um, you know, some game stuff. There was a place in Indy, Punchbowl Social, with all the games. We've done that. Obviously, we've done the club thing with uh, with after parties and driver parties. And literally just everything to keep people together. We've even just done a dinner. We've done Fogo de Chao. And uh, just where everybody's together and really just taking the time to celebrate because – you know, that's one of the, the biggest things and the differences here at, at Team Penske compared to other teams is, you know, other teams will celebrate a win for days and months, you know. Like, it's a, it, it is a big thing. But us, you know, for some reason, we, we're just on to Detroit and focusing on the next thing, even though we remember and really care about what just happened, you know. Obviously, the next day, you're focused on turning around the car and getting to Detroit, so... The other thing that's interesting about Team Penske is if any of your drivers win, whether it be IndyCar, NASCAR, IMSA, you have a winner's toast a few days after the race at the race shop, and it's usually a, a pretty good, uh, some pretty good food with yeah. a chance to toast the winner. Mm -hmm. How much does that really build team camaraderie and really make you guys go the extra effort? I think, um, you know, you're always trying to win the race regardless, but as far as the win toast you know, and bringing the travel guys and the shop guys together. I really think it's done well because now we used to just do it at Monday at three o'clock, whether the team was in the building or not. And now, for example, like this past week, you know, in Texas, we waited till Tuesday and this has been happening for a while. We waited till everybody that was there is available so that everybody can celebrate together. And I really think that, you know, when we do win, you know, not just celebrating the W, you look forward to that three o'clock having a beer and some good food together. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. 
We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Pit Pass Indy. And now here's the rest of my interview with Gary Inkst, transportation coordinator of Team Penske for Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. As far as the transportation, uh, how many tanks of fuel does each truck carry? How often do you have to refuel? And if you could just maybe give us a ballpark of what each tank of fuel would probably cost. So obviously, uh, the tanks in the truck, um, most are 150 each, so 300 just in the tractor. And the trailer itself carries 50 in the generator. Ours are a bit smaller. They're 125s because weight reasons and such, because we do run down the road pretty heavy. Those 250 gallons together just in the tractor, plus the trailer with another 50. Down the road, they can get you seven to 800 miles. And based upon, you know, the current diesel price, which is anywhere from four to $5 these days, you're paying $1,000 for, for fuel for a 10-hour drive. So out to um, Long Beach, for example, it'll be each truck four to $5,000 just to fill them up. To, to show up in Long Beach with full tanks. So, and you're taking how many trucks? Five, five on the IndyCar series, six with hospitality, three more in Emphasis, and nine total. So nine times that amount. Yep, and, and that's then, just one trip. And then double it yes. for the trip back. Yes. Generally, when a person goes on a long car ride, it seems like the drive back takes longer than the drive up. Is that the same phenomenon with a trucker? I actually think it's opposite. I actually think the drive home takes less than the drive out. Just because based upon your results and how you've dealt with the weekend, obviously, yes, the drive home can be longer if your results weren't good. But um, for us, you're, you're coming back home. It's been a long trip. You're excited to get home, family, friends, you know. So I think... On that end, you know, the, the drive home is a little more pleasurable. The importance of all the trucks traveling together. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go back, I believe it was 2009 or 2010 when Elio's truck had 2008. the— 2008. 2008. Yep. Elio's truck had the wheel bearing fire. It did, on its way to Sonoma. And burned to the ground. So how were, was there one of your trucks that was behind it, the radio to the driver, what had happened? And then did you guys immediately just get to work to try to put the fire out? So that scenario is actually why we drive down the road pretty much within either CB radio distance or visual. Because if you remember, Bruce, we used to leave either Watkins Glen or I can't remember now and head out to Sonoma for a test a week before the final race. So the one truck would go test, the other one would head home. That was when we were two-car teams still. So in that scenario, the one truck was already in Sonoma. So it, it was traveling alone. Since then, we've had it happen, you know, not that, but similar instances where a tire was blowing, a bearing was about to go, similar things. Um, but we've learned since 2008, so that's why we travel together. As far as mechanical failures, are wheel bearing failures probably the most um, hazardous 
in the few in the last few to ten years, um, you know, obviously you know the teams throughout the paddock and throughout other series, brakes and wheel bearings are the number one cause of basically transporter fires. So that's why every year, um, every one of our units that goes down the road, whether it turns 100 miles or 100,000, it goes and, and gets completely surgically disassembled and put back together. In 2020, a similar incident happened to Colton Herta's truck going to St. Petersburg for mm-hmm. the race that never was held because of COVID that year. But uh, when you hear that with a fellow team, it doesn't have to be Team Penske, but I mean, is it really something that the whole IndyCar paddock kind of commiserates and is sure. able to support those guys because yeah. they know it's it's something that nobody wants to go through. Yeah, and if you've ever been in that situation, you 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 feel helpless, especially you know um, when you're trying to get to a race and and perform. So for that example, and I remember it, I remember it 100. You know, we reached out because we're fortunate we have some some resources that we were going to lend them a trailer, whatever they needed to uh, to get their stuff. Because at that point, when we found out. We didn't know if it was a total loss or it was just the trailer. The equipment was, you know, um, damaged or not. But we we offered to, to send a truck and trailer if they needed help. Now, to talk about our friends at Penske Truck Rental, I'm sure that from time to time you probably depend on them to help bring in parts to maybe use as an auxiliary truck or maybe with an unexpected situation. So how much do you uh, – what's the synergy level like between Team Penske and Penske Truck Rental? On our level, it's at the top. It is 100%. We deal with uh, with PTL and and the partners of PTL every week. I, we have service. We we take all of our units there for service: trucks, trailers, our shop vans, our street cars, whatever we we um, we use here at the shop. It goes to them for service, except for the Ford and Chevy performance vehicles. They obviously go and and get their service other places, but. All of our box trucks, our transporters, straight trucks, anything we use to do business is meticulously maintained by PTL on a uh, on a, a very strict service regimen. And do you feel that the team has a bit of advantage because the team is affiliated with one of the largest automotive companies in the world? Uh, I wouldn't say it hurts, but what's great about PTL and PTL's partners and their services, they have a service called SOS, which I don't know if you're familiar with. It's an on-road 24-hour um, service. If if you need help, we will help you. So Rogers extended that to all the race teams, the transporters. If they're on the road and they need service, they're, they're welcome to call. And as far as a lot of the guys at the shop, some of them are from other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get hired by the team. I'm sure they give Penske Truck Rental a call to help them relocate to they the do. Uh, North Carolina area. Yep. Yeah, we actually, as a relocation deal, you know, as far as moving, we'll offer a, a Penske truck if if they're willing to do that or go down that road. But yeah, we we try and stay in house as much as possible, and it is it is very nice, especially with all the movement and logistics we do to have, you know, the ability, you know, for them to 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 rent us stuff all the time. And it's one of the great things about when you get a Penske truck from Penske Truck Rentals, the fact that they're as meticulously prepared as you do your team here, at Team Penske. Yeah, the attention to detail is, I mean, that's just Penske. You you can see it on and off the, you know, the racetrack and their trucks and every facility you walk into with that, you know, that Penske name because Roger over the years has made it a great point to just pop into these places and and surprise, here I am. So, you know, if, if they know he's coming or have a feeling he's coming, their shop's in tip-top shape. And especially at a race like the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach, 
there will be a lot of business people that are going to come by your paddock area, uh, whether they talk to Roger, whether they talk to Bud Danker, whether they talk to Tim Sendrick. Is that one of the busier times of the year in terms of business-to-business customers that come by and, and get an up-close look at the race team and the cars? Long Beach is, is good. It's it's top five for sure. I want to say Indianapolis is the biggest um, just because of the stage it's on and you know the the amount of detail we go to inside the garage. But Long Beach is good. There's a lot of West Coast stuff that happens there. A lot of his dealerships, PTLs, and, and such. It's definitely top five. Now, you do the awning setup for most every race on the schedule. Some ovals have garages, but at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, you have Gasoline Alley with permanent garages. We do. How different is that setup, and how valuable is to have that setup where you have basically you can close the garage doors every night, lock them up, and go home? So I think that's valuable for so many different points, whether it be just us, you know, the guys, the ease of just operation, marketing, business to business, everything we do is, it's just a, it's a place to come. And whether it be you're working on the car or showing the cars, it's just a great, great like base to, to work out of. And with the people who set that up, don't you send a crew up early? We do. We're sending a group up May 1st, which is our facilities group and Jeffrey Baker and his team here, which have, have done it for years and years. And uh, I think you'll you'll find a little bit of a, a different look to us this year. And in a situation like Gasoline Alley in Indianapolis, is that where you utilize, say, Penske Truck Rental for some of the stuff that you bring in to help set it up to turn it into a office? Yep. So basically, um, over on Holt Road is one of the oldest facilities where we used to do pit stop practice at. You know, when we'd leave for a couple of days during the turnaround, we'd go over there and, and work. We are over at Holt Road almost every day whether it be turning a truck around, borrowing a cube van, using a box truck, going to um, Penske Chevrolet or Penske Honda or whoever up on 96th Street. So, you know, they're, they're huge for, for helping us in Indianapolis. And, of course, it all begins with the captain, Roger Penske. Yes, sir. When he enters the paddock area, do you feel his presence before he really arrives? Because he really is a motivating individual that you can just sense greatness. Great thing about Roger is, is, is you don't really know when he's coming. He just shows up. And what's great about that is it's, it's kept the team, you know, ready all the time. You know, he'll be there where he used to come on a Saturday or Sunday. He's, he's now there on a Thursday. So, you know, nobody's really letting their guard down if the captain's coming in or not. So... But yes, of course, when he's there, I mean, he comes up, he walks up, shakes your hand, usually calls you by name because he remembers everything and just asks you how you're doing. And also the crew takes great pride in being, uh, you know, meticulous in terms of the clean uniforms, clean shirts, no grease on the white shirt, nothing like that. And to present that professional image, in a lot of ways, he started that when he arrived at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in 1969 because he said that they were called the college kids with the crew shirts. But it raised the level of professionalism in the sport. And how valuable do you think that is? Because every race team now has some influence that was started by Roger Penske and Penske Racing. Well, I think it's great for the sport. I think it's great for all the teams. I think it's easier to find sponsorship. One of the biggest things usually we will get back letters from, you know, families or kids is, you know, thanks for, for helping. And I just, I can't believe you hear all the things about how you guys are so clean and meticulous, clean shaven and polite. Well, then when you get some of these, these families comment on it, you know, and you'll see letters hung up on the bulletin board of, of how we help somebody's 
child or something that was in special need, they always make mention of how, you know, professional, clean, meticulous, properly groomed, polite. So, you know, that's just a bit of self-worth. But for the sport, I think it's huge now that all the teams, you know, even, you know, some of the teams that aren't as well-funded or, you know, as meticulous or, um, how should I say, just defined are, are that way now as well. You know, it's, and it's just good because it's easier for a sponsor to say, here, I want to help you out. And of course, you feel that same professionalism, whether you go into a Penske Chevrolet dealership or a Penske truck rental location, it seems to be the common thread that begins at the top. Sure. And, and we, you know, every time we go into a PTL, we try and, and be as professional and, and as, you know, at the top of the game we can be because those guys, they love to see the race stuff come in. It, it's a, it's a treat for, for the, the transporters and the guys to come in. So, you know, we'll, we'll usually try and take them something too, something nice to make sure they're they're, you know, they're, they know their the gratifications there. And then wrapping up here with Gary Yinks, transportation coordinator at Team Penske, after a 40-hour one-way trip to Long Beach, 40 hours back, does that make the nine-hour trip to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the open test seem like just driving down to the supermarket? So we, because we're based here, we will go right from Long Beach to um, Indianapolis. But yes, anywhere in a 10-hour stint, seems pretty easy after one of those drives, especially, you know, when we used to go to Edmonton and Sonoma, which were, you know, upwards of 40 hours plus, almost 50. So, um, yeah, one of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is never bad. So what is the route you will take to get from Long Beach to Indianapolis? So we will most likely go across 40 straight out of California and then cut up through New Mexico and, and such, you know. And then you will take I-70. At what point yes. do you get on I-70? Uh, so we'll go through, you know, you'll end up just kind of working your way up through Kansas and Missouri till you till you get going across. I think it's Joplin where we usually cut down. So it'll be I-35 up yes. to yeah. I-70. Yep. And I-70 straight into Indianapolis. Then will you go straight from Indianapolis to Barber or will you return to Mooresville? No, we'll come home because now we'll have to reset from our oval cars, you know, to obviously a, a road course package. But the great thing about us and not being from Indianapolis where everybody else is and having a few more resources, we'll have a truck, um, you know, deployed from here with the Speedway stuff, switch out the street course stuff, bring it back so that that's now here at the workshop getting worked on a little bit so that when the guys do come back from the open test, it's not as much of a grind. And that's got to be one of the easiest trips to plan because it's simply I-77, I-85, hit I-20 in Atlanta. Well, you said you said that dirty city word, Atlanta. You yeah. know, not that it's dirty, but, boy, you can get into some traffic there. Yeah, I've, I've, I've uh, seen entire calendar years go by sitting in traffic in Atlanta. But once you get on I-20, sure. it's just it's a beautiful ride. All the way yeah. into uh, Barber Motorsports Park. Yep. Well, Gary Yanks, very fascinating stuff. I know there's a lot of work involved and a lot of logistics involved in coordination. But Gary Yanks... Transportation Coordinator, Team Penske, thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. We want to thank our guest, 160 Indianapolis 500 winner Marcus Erickson of Chip Ganassi Racing and Team Penske Transportation Coordinator, Gary Yinks, for joining us on today's podcast. 
Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental, your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. And because of our guests and listeners, Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental, is proud to be the winner of the best podcast by the National Motorsports Press Association. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin, and final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.